Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Famula One. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm Jack. And uh, we're back with another history episode this week. This week, I will be taking you, Jack, and everybody listening through the history of the Williams Formula One team. Are you ready? Yeah. I love Williams. We We love love Alex Albon. We love an American king, you know? Yes. Holding holding it down for the Americans. Um, Holding it down. So sources for this episode are FormulaOne.com. Again, you know, go right to the source. Um, Motorsportweek.com and us.motorsport.com. Woohoo. So the timeline of Williams, we go back to 1978. Um, Williams Grand Prix Engineering is founded first year. Um, their first driver, Alan Jones, uh, is signed to the team in that year. But they find success pretty quickly. Just one year later, so their second, I guess, full year as a team, um, Clay Regazzoni wins the British Grand Prix um, so it's their first ever win just one year after creating the team. And then right after that in 1980, Alan Jones, that driver that they signed when they created the team, wins the driver's championship and Williams takes the constructor's title in that year. Go Williams. Yeah. So found success pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then in 1986, so, you know, I had a few years of continuing, you know, with the team running. Um, but in 1986, the founder of the team, Frank Williams, um, he's injured in a road car accident. Um, but in true Williams dedication, continues to, to lead the team after this injury. In 1992, skipping ahead a little bit again, uh, a name you might recognize, Nigel Mansell. Um yeah, mustache man. Love him. <laughs> um, he wins the first five rounds of the season, um, and he and the team they they go on to then take the drivers and constructors championships. Um, and then an interesting note here: Mansell then leaves Williams Formula One team to go compete in IndyCar. Oh, I didn't know that. We love IndyCar here. We love and Indy- we're IndyCar stands. Um, very, very, very big IndyCar stance. Um, but that doesn't really slow down the Williams dominance, the Williams hype train, because, um, in 1993, Alan Prost wins his fourth driver's championship with Williams driving with Williams, um, and then announces his retirement from the sport. Um, and then a bit of a, a, a tough year, obviously for, everybody in motorsport, but Williams specifically in 1994, um, Ayrton Senna while driving for Williams passes away at Imola. Um, 1996 Williams and Damon Hill partner. Um, Damon Hill wins the driver's championship and Williams takes their eighth constructors title. That was the year I was born. Wow. Look at that. Go Williams. Just a bunch of winners in 96, you know, Go go Damon Hill, go Williams, go Jack, you know? Yeah. Um, In 1997, Jacques Villeneuve takes his first and only driver's championship title, and Williams takes their ninth constructor's title. Just domination. Just wins after wins. 
just killing it. Um, and then we get into the very early 2000s. Um, they have several wins, but um, they're not able to seriously challenge the absolute dominance that is Ferrari Schumacher, um, which is, you know, can anyone? I mean, <laughs> no, no, nobody could. <laughs> no one was able to. <laughs> Um, in 2003, uh, the upgrades in performance do allow for a bit of a battle with Ferrari, um, but they end up second, but it does go down to a final race showdown. Um, so they did mount a bit of a challenge to Ferrari this season, but it's, they still ended up not, not prevailing. Mm -hmm. Um, in 2005, they ended their end. Um, engine partnership with BMW, who they've been with for a while at this point, and finish fifth this season. Um, so not as good as recent performances at this time, but you know if we're looking at it through this lens, pretty solid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 2023 lens is what I mean, by the way. Yeah. Um, in 2006, they begin their partnership with Cosworth, which is pretty disappointing. Um, they have 20 DNFs in the season. Oh, no. Which is a lot of DNFs. Yeah, that's a lot. That's... Yeah. Oh, golly. And Latifi wasn't on the team at the time? No, no. <laughs> this is pre-Latifi. Pre-Latifi. Um, I'm a Latifi sympathizer. I know. That, that I'm, but I was about to just correct that uh, this is not slander towards him at all. I love him. It's all love. Um, we all go Tifi. You know what I'm saying? Like, we love, love. Um, but yes, with these 20 DNFs in 2006, they finish eighth in the constructors. Um, in 2007, a slight improvement. They only had seven DNFs in that season. Okay. But still not a great performance. Not great, but it's still more than 50% better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in 2008, the season starts strong with their driver, Nico Rosberg, finishing on the podium. Um, but they fail to match the development rate of the other teams. So they do end up finishing once again, eighth, um, in the constructors in 2011, it is their worst year to date since like mm -hmm. starting the team. Um, it does, it does go further down from here, <laughs> but, um, in 2011, they just have five, only five points to the season and they're only appearing in or appear in Q3 three times throughout the entire season. Um, another interesting thing that I found, um, technical director Sam Michael leaves and is replaced by former McLaren employee, Mike Coughlin. No way. Yeah, which if you'll remember last week's episode, we did McLaren and Spygate. Um, yeah. So Mike Coughlin did remain in Formula One, clearly. Um, we talked about Stepney, who was the Ferrari side of Spygate. Yeah. Um, and he no longer worked in Formula One, but uh, seems like Mike Coughlin uh, landed at Williams. Probably not. They always find their footing, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Good for Mike. I don't know. Good, Good for you. Um, in 2012, the team had a decently reliable car. Um, but inconsistent qualifying and multiple incidents, their drivers were um, Pastor Maldonado and Bruno Senna. Um, it hampers the progress and the team 
doesn't do super well. So, you know, it was more of a driver lineup issue than a car issue, but still, you know, results were the same. They struggled. Um, in 2014, though, during Mercedes dominance era, Williams is really the only car that's able to put up any sort of challenge to Mercedes. Um, and though they don't win any races, they do finish third overall in the constructors um, and had podiums at eight out of the 19 races. Half, half the race. Is this at this time, do they have the Mercedes engine? I'm not actually sure. Um, Cause that would make sense. I think they might still be Cosworth okay. powered at this point, but I would have to double check. Um, in 2015, this is when a downward trend begins, though. So 2014 is this strong year where they're really one of the only teams that can realistically challenge Mercedes. 2015, things start sliding, and they sort of just keep sliding. Um, in 2017, um, Lance Stroll, another one. I'm a Lance Stroll sympathizer. Um, so Lance uh, has a podium in Baku, um, but that is their only top five result of the year. Okay. They had one, you so know. They did have one. They did have one. Um, but then we get to 2019. 2019 is their worst year on record. Um, the Out of 21 races, they finished the season with one single point. Um, despite having Robert Kubica, who was a, is a race winner, um, partnered with rookie at the time, my enemy, George Russell, uh, mm-hmm. who does, they, they try really hard to, to outperform the car that they are given, but are, are unsuccessful. They finished 10th in the constructors with just one point. Um, but then in 2020, I say 2019 was a worse year because in 2020 it was, you know, an interesting situation with COVID and half the races in 2020, they don't score any points at all. So for the first time in Williams history, they end the season with no points. Um, But the team's future starts to change. There starts to be talks about maybe a resurgence of Williams because um, the Williams family is no longer at, in leadership in the team. Um, and this is when, according to my research, Mercedes either signs a contract extension as their engine supplier or um, starts supplying their engines. But they do sign an agreement in 2020 to basically con- make their technical ties closer. So assistance with development, assistance with parts, things like that. Um, in 2021, there's some sort of resurgence. Um, there is a very interesting Belgian Grand Prix, which sees George Russell on the podium, um, which very exciting. I don't know if, uh, I would call that being, you know, a resurgence of Williams, Williams being back because we know that that was a bit of a, a blip, but it was a very exciting race. (laughs) You're just being petty because it was George Russell and you know it. <laughs> I mean, have they been on the podium since? No. So. But you're just mad that George Russell did it. 
Um, so they do improve to eighth overall in the constructors in 2021. They were 10th for two years in a row. And, um, but also as a note, um, Sir Frank Williams does pass away in 2021, the founder. Um, so rest in peace to Frank Williams. Yes, absolutely. Um, in 2022, we see Mr. Alex Albon partnering Mr. Nicholas Latifi and, Alex kind of proves that there are, there's like sparks of possible pace in this mm-hmm. car. Um, he qualified ninth at Spa, and he he I believe scored all the points, but they scored eight points. I don't know if if Latifi scored any. Um, I'd have to double check yeah. on that. But they do finish the season in tenth, last in the constructor standings. That leaves us. With this year, so this is a, a much shorter history so far um, <laughs> than the you know, condensed version. Didn't have quite the uh, the chaos that McLaren had, mm-hmm. um, but they're currently seventh in the constructors championship with eleven points. But I will say they are a far cry from sixth. Alpine is currently in sixth with fifty seven points. Um, yeah. So there's going to have to be a lot of ground made up if they want to move up to six. But, you know, 11 points, honestly, within the recent years is a very, very solid performance. Yeah. Um, All of those points, to my knowledge, are Alex Albon's. I don't believe that Logan Sargent has scored points yet. But he's been performing pretty solidly. Um, Also, as a note... This year is the first year that they have team principal James Vowles, who was previously head of strategy with Mercedes. Um, and he was very, very instrumental in the Mercedes dominance era and developing drivers and strategy. And he has been working very hard to make some changes at Williams to make them more of a you know race winning team. You know, he's coming in with all this knowledge of what does the standard look like? You know, he was at Mercedes. They were completely dominant and winning everything. Um, So he has plans for, you know, development and making improvements to systems and things like that. I will say he um, recently tried to get approval from the FIA to begin rebuilding their facilities because their facilities are super, super old and out of date. Um, outside of the cost cap, meaning like they could start fixing these facilities oh, and awesome. the internal and all of these things um, without it affecting the cost cap. And that was denied. Um, oh. So we will see what happens with that. I was really hoping that it was going to get approved. I mean, the thing is, you know, it's such a money game, right? It's yeah. all of these larger Formula One teams don't need to spend all of that money because they already updated all of their facilities or they can yeah. afford to stretch things out or do that alleged creative accounting and have money going in different places. And Williams have really good catering. Yes, exactly. Have really good catering. You know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Or um, <laughs> FIA. Yeah, no, Williams has always said that they just, they don't have the same money. Right like the same amount of money available. Um, I mean, Haas is very similar. They just, Mm -hmm. they don't have the money that the the other teams do. Yeah. And then, I mean, even you look at um, the FAA's investigating 
Red Bull, Ferrari, and I think Mercedes is maybe not Mercedes, maybe Aston Martin, a few teams because they basically have these like side development projects. And the FIA is like, wait, wait, you are creating these like other cars. That's literally, you're just doing development. Like you're cheating. Yeah. Um, which, you know, when you have the amount of money that these big teams have, you're able to do that. Um, you know, if you've seen the pictures of the floors of the cars this year, like, yeah, it's, you don't even, I don't know too much about like aerodynamics or anything, but you don't even need to know too much to be able to look at that Red Bull floor and look at that Williams floor and be like, Hmm, I can tell which one has a bigger budget. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 100%. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I am very optimistic. I think James Vowles is probably my favorite team principal. Um, they are very, very, and he is very open and honest about the state that the team's in right now and about his plans to move it forward. Um, so I have a lot of faith. I have, I have faith in the Williams Vowles project, the Williams Vowles Albon project. Yes. Um, so we will see from there. But um, that's, you might be wondering, okay, like why did we pick Williams, especially because this is a kind of a short history. There's not too, too much. Um, and that is because we have a new segment uh, that there's some news that came out about Williams that it fit very nicely into. Yeah, so we are starting a new segment starting this week. Um, hopefully we'll get, yeah, we'll have like a like a title card for it or something. We'll figure something out for it. Um, but we're calling it Dirty Air. And so Dirty Air is kind of a little bit of what's the spice happening in the Formula One world? Mm -hmm. It was the gossip. Um, what is the drama essentially that is happening in the formula and world. Um, and so it fit perfectly for us to talk about some recent news that is coming out about uh, a certain rather large um, sum of money. Exactly. That is being asked for. <laughs> There's I actually found two. Some you found two. Um, so we've, we've covered the history of Williams, but in the news recently, they are getting sued for $100 million, which, again, you know, callbacks to last week's episode. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but they are being sued. Williams Formula One is being sued by their former marketing executive, Claudia Schwarz. Schwar There's no T in her last name, so I'm assuming it's pronounced Schwarz. Um, and she is claiming that she was forced out of the company when a person at Darilton, which is their title sponsor at the moment, um, demanded a, quote, drastic reduction in the team's budget due to unsatisfactory performance. Um, she's also claiming that the team leaked details of her having an alleged affair with chief executive Darren Fultz. Um, as a way to avoid paying out her contract. But, so that's scandalous enough. Basically, Claudia Schwarz is saying that she was forced out of Williams 
by the Sterilton um, investors and then also is saying that as a way to avoid paying out any money that they would have owed her by forcing her out, they're saying that they like leaked the fact that she might have may or may not allegedly have been having an affair with Darren Fultz. It gets more complicated when you start looking into the fact that Williams is countersuing Claudia for $6.9 million because they are claiming that Claudia was running a scheme to overcharge Williams um, for contracts and for basically company expenses. And they are saying that uh, Claudia Schwartz had, quote, ingrained herself with high ranking figures and engaged in a, quote, inappropriate relationship with Darren Fultz so that he would agree to, quote, inaccurate and overinflated invoices and improper credit card charges. Oh, my God. No. So we will. No see way. Yeah. So we will see where this goes. Um, it's. I, it's kind of crazy that she's suing them for a hundred million dollars and they're only countersuing for 6.9. Um, I would assume that I bet, I would assume that the 6.9 is probably related to the amount of money they've been able to find that she allegedly was stealing. Um, yeah. and realistically what they're going to get probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? And it's, it'll be interesting. This, this, I don't, to my knowledge has not gone to any sort of trial or arbitration Yet it was just recently announced, um, but we will see where that goes. There is another one. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> Williams is having some legal stuff. Yeah. Um, so the second one goes back to their title sponsor in 2019, Rokit. Um, oh yeah, Rokit. Yeah, so Rokit is currently suing them for $149 million. Not to be outdone. Not to be outdone by Claudia. By Miss Claudia, no. Um, so Rokit claims that Williams promised that they would have this competitive car in 2019 um, while knowing that they didn't have the money to back up that claim. Um, that's basically the crux of this lawsuit. But this one's also a little bit more complicated because it's, that's like the title of the lawsuit that they're basically suing Williams because they're saying that Williams lied about the car performance in 2019. But it also sounds like they're just really mad about how 2020 went because yeah. basically the way that this sponsorship agreement worked, I would, I'm not sure how all of these sponsorship agreements work. So I just know that from what I found on the Rokit Williams agreement um, it sounds like they had agreed to a certain amount of money per season. When 2020 rolled around, they were actually still in a sponsorship agreement. So I don't know where this issue with 2019 is coming from because they finished the 2019 season and were headed into 2020, still planning on sponsoring. Um, yeah. But obviously COVID hits and then it comes, Formula One decides they're basically doing this like reduced 50% season. Um. Rokit goes back to Williams and basically says, we're getting 50% technically of the marketing. So we will pay you 50% of what we had agreed to pay you already to be the title sponsor. Williams turns around and just cancels the whole contract. And <laughs> wild move. 
According to the article that I read, Rokit actually found out that they, the sponsorship deal was canceled via Instagram. No way. Which like, that is just so funny. <laughs> just, first of all, so like 2000s and that's just so petty. Yeah. That's so petty. Yeah. That's so funny. So they went to a dispute over the unpaid fees. Essentially, they canceled the whole sponsorship, but then Williams was like, you still owe us sponsorship money. I don't know how they managed that, but they, <laughs> Williams took Rokit to court in 2020, um, the London Court of International Arbitration, and Williams won. So Rokit had to pay whatever money that they were owed, that they owed them. Um, and so now Rokit's now suing them in the American courts for $149 million. Because um, the English courts did not go in their favor last time. Because <laughs> they were like, let's try in America. Um, yeah. So we will see. There have been no updates that I could find on this since April. And obviously we know court systems, especially in America, um, take a little yeah. bit longer. Um, they're also, I believe, doing this in Florida, um, which... They have like other stuff going on right now with other court cases, Disney. Yeah. So. <laughs> Not super top priority for them. Yeah. So this is, I, I want to comprehend how they, it's, they sided with Williams. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I think it has to do with the timing of when the contract was canceled versus like agreed upon payments. I don't think they made Rokit pay Williams any further funding, but I believe there was like payments that still needed to be made either for the 2019 season or for whatever had already happened in 2020 by that point. Okay. Um, but we will see. I mean, if these lawsuits don't go Williams's way, then they are $249 million out. Um, like I, could they even recover from that? No, I think if that happens, they'd probably have to sell the team. Um, yeah. Lance, <laughs> Lawrence Stroll will come in again. <laughs> no, Andretti. We need Andretti. Oh, um, yeah. I don't want away, and I don't think that will happen. Um, no, I don't want them to go away either. Um, I am very I love curious Alex to there. see how both of these lawsuits play out. But that is, uh, I guess, for this week's iteration of Dirty Air. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens with these. Um, I would not want to be the Williams legal team right now. They seem very busy. No, they got to get Johnny Depp's team oh, yeah. for for Florida. What was that lawyer's name that everyone loved? Um, I can picture her face. Yeah, but I don't remember her. We all like we had so many conversations about her. I don't remember her name though. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows? But yeah, we'll be busy. We will see if um, Williams in the vowels, Albon Sergeant plan, you know, ends up with, you know, having the success that James Vowles thinks it will. Um, I actually, I'm not sure if Sergeant was really part of his plan. He keeps saying that he, <laughs> so, Logan Sergeant wasn't yeah. his plan. So we'll see. Um, and then we'll lawsuits go. 
We'll keep you up. There's a lot of rumors too. Yeah. Like I think they'll definitely, as you said, keep on Alex. Um, Logan is definitely still up in the air, even though they're saying no, but there's some, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who could fill the spot. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's one of those seats that I, I think they'll keep Logan, but it's also one that I could see being one of those kind of like wild cards and silly season hasn't been super silly yet. So no, which we talked about in our silly season episode. Right. Exactly. Um, So if people want to know more about that stuff, you should check that out. Two episodes ago for silly season. One episode ago, if you want to hear about the other hundred million (laughs) dollars. That was a fine. That was a fine. Yeah. I don't know if that makes a difference, but yeah. A lot of money being changed hands. That's for sure. So, you know, we'll keep you updated, but. Just one more weekend. Yeah. Thanks for putting that together, Jame. And you know what? One more weekend of no F1 races. And then we're we're in the Netherlands. (laughs) Yep. So enjoy, enjoy our last weekend of no racing before we're, we're all back and ready to go. We're all listening to the Dutch anthem one more time, you know? Um, I can't (laughs) wait. Wait. Uh, (laughs) There's been so many TikToks that have come up where it'll be like, got you. It's kind of like you got Rickrolled, but it's it's the Dutch national anthem. (laughs) I've been seeing ones of people like um, POV F1 fan, like X amount of days into summer break. And it's just like, they like wake up out of like a dead sleep and it's just the Dutch anthem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. It haunts us everywhere we go. You know, I, I will be somewhat happy to hear it, honestly. I'm, I've that means we got, yeah, that means we've got our races back and yeah, yeah. I'm excited. So, but we excited to see what people did time. over the break. So, yeah, we will talk to you next week. Yes, we will. Next Have time good we week, everybody. You, we will be mere days away from our next hearing of the, the Dutch national anthem. So enjoy your week. Yes. We'll be excited. All right. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs>